man, this may be a slow episode. What do you do when you don't have much to work with? Chaos is hard. Sometimes silence is even harder. What to do with withdrawal, withdrawal couples. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. So, welcome back, everybody. Still in the uh, listener request series. And today's topic is going to be withdraw, withdraw cycles or withdraw, withdraw couples that present to your office. So, Ryan, what do you think about this, man? I, I don't know. Hmm. What do you think about it? Um, well, trying to make sure I think of the right thing to say, but I guess I don't, I don't, I guess, I mean, everything's fine to me with that. All right. <laughs> what was that like to listen to? All that silence, all that low energy. You can tell something's going on behind the scenes, but you don't know what it is. You're left out, therapist. Withdraw, withdraw. Sorry for us being a little playful there, but uh, we want to give you Look experiential. I'm not too sorry. I mean, I want to. <laughs> I mean, we got to work off the danger cue, right, right Ryan? Right, I mean, right. what did that send for you as the therapist yeah. when that comes? That kind of energy comes in your office, right? Some of you may be hitting on your app there, thinking that uh, you, you're, the, the episode stopped, but no, we just got <laughs> quiet. Ah man, a withdrawal, withdrawal podcast team. That's a hard podcast to uh, succeed with, isn't it? A big time, it yeah. would be, and, this, and that's the same thing when it comes that's into right. your office. Because that's right. When you hit this podcast, you were like, okay, you you came here with an expectation. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do something. We're gonna be on some kind of mission. They're gonna kind of help me get some information to get going to get better. And it can feel the same thing with the clinical presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, this couple says, "Hey, we're struggling. We're hurting." We are struggling and hurting to the point we need an expert <laughs> to help us out. That something is just that unbearable for us and we need help. And then all of a sudden, they give you nothing. They just go quiet in a way, right? That could be hard. Mm-hmm. So that's what we hope to break down today. You know, Ryan's got some points. I've got some points with this. So particularly we're thinking about, once again, an attachment theory where both people seem to, at least right now I'm going to say seem to, be using the avoidance strategy. Mm-hmm. And what do we do with that? Because when it's a pursuer, they're putting some energy out there that can make it, the, the gets the cycle going, and only one person's using the withdrawal strategy. So you kind of can cheat and steal some of the energy from the pursuer to get things kind of going. Mm-hmm. But what about when it feels like they're both keeping the cards close to their chest? Mm-hmm. And withdrawers oftentimes send forth an energy. It's usually yes. an avoidant energy, but it's it's attacking sometimes. And that's... While that can be hard to work with, at least it is something to work with. That's right. That's you good. know, but when everything's evasive, uh, it can it can really spin your top as a therapist. I would say most yes. therapists I talk to, this is the client that they dread the most. So mm-hmm. we're going to spend some time talking about that. Mm-hmm. I want to start off with a quick shout out. First of all, 
Someone requested this oh, topic. Yeah. Someone sent it in as the withdrawal withdrawal. So whomever you are, we want to say thank you. We just don't, we couldn't find it. Yeah. So we figured that this is you actually manifesting withdrawal withdrawal uh, <laughs> in your request. So, but thank you nonetheless. And, and also for Kenny Sanderford. Kenny is a, a EFT trainer. I don't think he's doing quite as much as he used to. He's enjoying his ranch mm-hmm. over in Tennessee. Kenny's a great human being, maybe one of the very best character people I know. Uh, and he, he he was teaching on this years ago. By the way, I probably wouldn't be here without Kenny. So in the unlikely event, Kenny listens to this. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> uh, he was just a big advocate for me early on. But anyway, he was teaching on uh, withdrawal, withdrawal couples, and he, he was uh, referencing the old movie from the 90s, Dumb and Dumber. And, and he goes, sometimes my withdrawal, withdrawal couples are numb and number. So it's like a contest to see who can be most evasive, who, who, who goes away. Uh, not necessarily that they're intending to do that, but that's kind of what happens on the surface. So what, what's your first thought on that? Uh, one, I want to catch, I think, as we make this clear for the listener to be focused here is we're not even, you're right. We're not even just talking about the strategy, Ryan, I think in this one is we're talking the way Ryan are going to go at it is thinking about evasiveness. And there are many good reasons to think about why a couple who's seeking help could still be evasive, you know? So I want to think about maybe think out loud about some of the good reasons why a couple may be evasive. And the reason why you need to know this is sometimes I use these as conjectures, as validations, is ways to make explicit without shaming them about what's happening. You know, I think some couples can be evasive because the pursuer sometimes, the one that's for the pursuer, is waiting to see what the withdrawer might say. They want them to kind of like, let me give you some space. I want to see if you acknowledge what's going on here. Or, but I think the number one one that rises to my mind why they might be evasive is they are, there could be, or George has a great talk on this. It's a little bit of, I'm afraid to push over that line a little bit. I'm a little bit scared. I want something to be di- I want something to be different, but I don't want to have to be the one that says it. I don't want to rock the boat too much. I want it to change, but I don't want to rock the boat and sink sink the ship here. I think it's that part that they're very afraid of. Something needs to change, but it's almost the image that's coming up because me and Ryan do a lot of images, right? It's hey, there's a bomb out there, and it needs to be deactivated but I don't want to go in there and just start clipping wires myself because I'm afraid if I clip the wrong one, all, we, all is lost. But we still need to do something, but I'm reluctant. And But they can't survive in that place, and they know that they can't survive and something needs to be done. And so they're kind of looking to you as a therapist almost. You be the one that figures it out. you the one that says the thing that I don't want to say and kind of push some of that over to you a little bit. I don't know. That's what comes up for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my first thought is just thinking back to Sue's work back in Hold Me Tight, 2008. She talks about these demon dialogues, which was her, her nickname. She's mm-hmm. trying to make, make the model really accessible for the layperson, not use too many technical words, and which I think is helpful. So she talk, talks about these demon dialogues as these rigid, self-perpetuating uh, negative cycles. And she talks about there being three of them. Is it three of them or four of them? Three. Yeah, so pursue, pursue. Pursue withdrawal and withdrawal withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And she gives them nicknames and she unpacks them and asks the reader, look at you know what you have going on. And I've heard a lot of different people around the world conceptualize this in different ways. Uh, but as for me, uh, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this. I don't really believe it. Uh, you can certainly see 
um, above the line on the surface, how it looks like three different kinds of cycles. But if you can cut through some of that with assemblies and our presence and so forth, to me, they're all manifestations of pursue withdrawal cycles. Mm -hmm. So pursue pursue cycles is usually a very unsafe, strident pursuer in a relationship with someone who probably would have been the withdrawer, but who's decided they're not taking it anymore. <laughs> so it appears above the line as pursue, pursue, but really it's a, just a, a, an offshoot, a, an arm, a manifestation of a pursue withdrawal cycle. And then I think withdrawal, withdrawal actually is the same thing in reverse. So what, what I usually see, in fact, I don't know that I've ever seen an exception to this, um, is that a withdrawal, withdrawal presenting couple had at some point a pursuer mm -hmm. who went through some kind of process. Usually they, they've burnt out. So their strategy set has changed, but their pain has not. And that's a key point. Below the line, the pain has, if anything, intensified or um, worsened so that they just can hardly even produce that old way of protesting energy. Right now they kind of cross their arms and, and go away. And so they're in a relate, and sometimes by the way, that kicks their partner to appear like a pursuer for a time period, though that usually is temporary. And uh, so I, I actually would think withdrawal, withdrawal is usually burnout pursuer mm -hmm. and withdrawal. But end of the day, you, you have to work with the energy that's in your office. So certainly withdrawal, withdrawal is a, is a valuable concept. I agree, Ryan. That last statement you said is the key, I think, for, for, you know, if you're listening to this, it's work with the energy that's in front of you. And so, you know, I don't know if we want to switch that yet, but, you know, we definitely that's, you know, want to get into how, what are the ways of that you do work with the energy that's in front of you? So we'll take a commercial break and then Ryan and I will get a little bit more practical on that part. We just want to take a minute and thank you for being a part of the Leading Edge podcast. We are really inspired and grateful when we hear from you in trainings or through social media about how this content is truly helping you push the leading edge of your learning and being able to apply emotionally focused couples therapy with your clients and some of you also in your own personal lives. And so at this moment, we just want to ask you to consider helping us out. Yeah, James, I appreciate you saying that. When we first started this, uh, we had no idea it would take off like it has. We get contacts from all over the world. So it's really cool to think that we're coming through your speakers and into your devices or however you listen to us. And, uh, we appreciate that. It's really an honor. And like James is saying, we want to ask you to consider helping us make this sustainable. We've gone back and forth on how we want to handle money or, or if we want to involve that. But the reality is to make this sustainable, uh, we do need to do some things and make some investments. So we have a Venmo account. We would love to ask you to consider partnering with us and joining us to, to make this sustainable, to take this to other people who are trying to oh, help others around the world and even the next generation of therapists. So you want to talk about how they can do that? Yeah, if you want to be a part and you can, to support us, you can go to on Venmo at LPC or on Cash App LPC with a dollar sign in the front. And in the subject line, just to help us know that you're a leading edge listener and you want to support us, please put leading edge or here's a fun one we're doing. We're playing with Ryan. Put left in the comment line because you are part of the leading edge and emotionally focused therapy. 
There you go. So at Doc Hawk LPC? Yes, correct. Okay. All right. And I want to say one thing really, really quickly, you know, uh, depending on where you are in life, if you're living check to check, if, if money is tight for you and or if you're somewhere and you're really serving an underserved population, please do not give us money. We do not want your money. We won't take it. We'll send it back somehow uh, because that's not what this is about. But if you're at a place where you're doing okay or maybe even doing really well and uh, ideas from this podcast, if you use them professionally for which you re uh, receive fees for your services, consider partnering with us. We've had people who've donated $300 or $50, whatever it is for you. We trust that uh, our listeners are going to make the best decision for them. We just want to make this available for you. You're welcome to continue joining us if you don't give. All right, welcome back. So looking at the structure of a, of a, a withdrawal, don't forget, these are just nicknames mm -hmm. to, describe, to describe complex processes. So looking at this sort of avoidant, insecure, avoidant attachment style, just reminders here that above the line, these folks are playing defense. Their bodies through, for good reasons, as you say, their bodies through learned experience, which could be everything from childhood trauma, a neglectful childhood, years in a cycle, uh, previous divorces. I mean, any number of things that happen in life their bodies become very, very good, almost too good, at projecting that bad things are going to happen. So if I know that if I step out in the street, I'm gonna get hit by a car, I'm not going to step into the street. So I would become a street withdrawer. And that's how, that's how relationships and connection have become for these people. And it's not that they have any less need. It's not that they have any desire. They're just able to manipulate their desire to prioritize their own survival above their need to connect. Specifically, I wrote down the price of stepping forward becomes worse than the price of staying unseen. Mm. Loneliness hurts less than what happens when I try to not be lonely. Or I just do very, very small gestures of connection, always braced for it to go wrong. And the first hint that something does go wrong I run for the hills. And all that happens in a millisecond. I'm hardly even aware it's going on, but it's a very powerful force. You can imagine the effects on the therapist and or uh, the partner in some situations. You know, so I think I, I wrote down the phrase, um, what did I write down right there? Yeah, anticipated emotional contest, right? So I'm anticipating what's about to go next. And once again, the price of coming forward is way more expensive, or the, perce the perception of it at least, than, than even the, the risk of being alone. And when this is going on, guys, it's pretty tough. And I want to be clear, it won't work. It won't work. Withdrawal, withdrawal, relationships will not work in the long run. But the question becomes, how do we figure out how to come alongside them and help them? Let's move to the practical. And I love that, that segue right there, Ryan of like even kind of like the fear of with withdraw withdraw they're the both there because they have a fear you know one of the strongest emotions and attachment is fear and so if you go towards the fear you will get more access to your clients as ryan always say find the danger queue mm -hmm. that's where you live so you've got to go towards the fear like if this does not work if we stay in this place 
what would that be like? What's the concern? Or even on the other side, I see that both of you have a way of kind of holding your heart back or protecting your heart. I'm just kind of curious, though, if you didn't have this move, if you kind of had to push in and then lean in, what are you concerned that might happen there? So be willing to lean into the fear. Work with their fear of taking that risk, like Ryan keeps showing that example. I think that's a very practical one. Another one to tie to that to me, Ryan, is, you know, I think sometimes in EFT, we remember we have this whole affect assembly. It's not only just focused on feeling words. I would say go work with, honor their protection. Work with their protection. Explore the protection. And what I mean by that is, so kind of like this energy I'm seeing now, even as I kind of get you to examine your relationship and it feels like I kind of feel this tenseness, this holding back, what is it doing? Am I getting that right? Am I seeing that right? And then explore the protection. What is it trying to do? Like even in this moment, as I ask you what's going on, kind of help me understand, you know, what would it be like to kind of say, like, what is this energy trying to do? Is it trying to see like, Will your partner take the lead? Is it kind of saying, like, I don't want to be the one that always has to say the things that's rough for the relationship? Is it, I'm scared if I say that, it's going to send us into a whole nother spiral? Let me understand the function of this energy right now or this protective move. And then what's the hope in the protective move? Is it like you're kind of trying to keep you two out of a bad place? Is it kind of like you don't want to be negative? Like one that happens sometimes what looks like for burnt out pursuers, I'm tired of wounding my partner. Every time I talk about these things, it just seems like it wounds them. So I have no good move. Like if I talk about this, it either get us stuck in a negative cycle or it's going to wound them. So like Ryan just said, I found a new way to try and manage it myself. And so go with the protection. Sometimes I found that that could be a way in. That's one for me. Let me go to another one. Or you want to go and chime in? I can chime in. I, my first point is, um, and I think this is the hardest one. I was trying to think through my years of working with people, both personally and professionally and in trainings. Almost every time that I see someone who, which has been many, hundreds if not thousands of times when people are, man, I got to withdraw, I cannot access them. Um, when, and I don't want to sound like I'm therapist shaming. I'll shame myself maybe, but... The first story is all about the withdrawal. It's their trauma. It's this. They don't have access. They don't have emotion. But when you turn the video on, what you often see is the therapist inadvertently is pursuing them. So you can't pursue the withdrawal. And because when you do that, you cue up their protection system. So it's great in, in, pre, in, in pre-session mm-hmm. preparation to really reflect back on the speed that's going to have to happen going slower. I want to make sure that my facial expression does not send any annoying signals, which can be hard to do sometimes. But if, if I communicate that I find your protection system annoying, then I'm going to get a lot more of it. So everything from my facial expression, my set of expectations, even my posture, am I leaning forward on my knees? Am I, am I close to them? Am I, in, am I in a pursuing position? Or can I pull back a little bit? Can I turn my chair? Can I look out the window? Can I say, hey, we're okay. This, you know, we can hang out. Like that, that little tone really is shockingly effective. And I've, I've done live demonstrations for lots of therapists who was like, how in the world did you go deeper? And, and 
there's lots of factors, but one of them is because I wanted to go deeper, but I didn't need to go deeper. Like, I'm okay. We can hang out right here. It's fine. If you don't want to bring this forward, but also staying there. So not letting their blocks take you away. So that's my first one is really paid attention to self for the therapist and, you know, facial and posture communication messages. I like that one. And would you say, Ryan, I was, as you were saying that what was going through my head, it's like, oh, even as we're talking about this, there's maybe that person who is, this is the strategy. This is their go-to strategy in life as with the avoidant maybe style versus maybe the other person who's now adopted this as a yeah. secondary one. Right. Would you say like that one you describe is maybe for both of them or maybe more so for the person like this is my go-to? Good question. So yeah. uh, for me, it is different. Hmm, I bet, so, yeah. So for, the, so for the, and I got my quotation marks in the air here. So for more the, the, the tr- traditional withdrawer, I want to take pressure down. I want to like be a little, for me, I like to be a little self-deprecating, take a one down stance. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm asking you a bunch of crazy stuff you don't know. Us therapists, we're weirdos. I just appreciate you hanging out with me, you know, and see if I can take down the pressure. I'm, I'm wobbling my chair left and right as I say this in the office, almost like I'm trying to, uh, you know, Put, put a child to sleep a little bit. And what I'm really trying to do is to put that rigid protection to sleep to say, hey, you don't need that right now. I'm not coming for you. You're not about to fail a test because this is not a test. I wonder if you could just come join me and be curious together. So that's how I want to dial in for the traditional mm-hmm. um, withdrawer. When I'm going with the other withdrawer, who's a burnout pursuer, now I want to be similar, but I don't want to be quite that lackadaisical because that can still trigger the abandonment, which I think is still driving the old pursuer, which is now manifesting itself as a withdrawer. Mm -hmm. I want to say, look, you've been burned before. How many times do you keep putting your neck out here only to get dropped by this cycle? I like to say it that way because I don't want to get into triangulation and and all that stuff. So, hey, I want you to know you can take your time. You know, this has been hard. Even showing up here is really, really hard for you. So if you can comment on that, oftentimes they'll, they'll at least slightly leave their burnt outness and, and start to be curious with you just a little bit. But if you try to skip that, you're in trouble mm-hmm. because you're actually saying, I want you to walk back in this road. The one that keeps where you get hit by a truck over and over. Come on back out here. Come yep. on. You got it. You're going to have to try. Yep. Come on. How can we make this better if you don't try? And they're going to do this even more. That's right. So one, I'll make a plug for Ryan. He wouldn't say this, but uh, check out SV. Uh, Ryan does a, and I'm sure he would say he didn't get it himself, but he helped kind of conceptualize it for us. The withdrawal playbook. Great stuff. If you say withdrawers are a hard style for me to work with, go check it out. And there's also modules on the pursuer playbook. If you say that's your struggle. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you can go on that successandvulnerability.com and yeah. you can even just like get that one module. Exactly. Not, not have to do all of it if you don't want it. So 100%. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so I want to make, and then thank you for this nuance. I read as you were saying that, like there's still a way to go with the traditional kind of withdrawer versus a burnt out pursuer. Um, my move with the burnt out kind of pursuer that's showing up as a withdrawer that helped me just yesterday in the session, I went to proxy voice mm. because what it's saying is it's almost like your imagery of going out in the road. Like, you know what? You pause one second, and I'm going to go out in the road for you Mm. and walk in your world. Mm. So let me make sure I'm getting this straight. This process has fooled you once. It's fooled you twice. And you're like, I'm not going to let it fool me again. I know what happens here. 
if I'm the one that has to take the lead, I have to put myself out there. There's nothing but bad options waiting for me. I'm going to get blamed and told I'm too much. My intentions are going to be misunderstood. And at the end of it, what's going to happen is the thing I was already worried about. I'm going to end up being abandoned. Mm -hmm. So all of those seem like they hurt. So what I'm going to choose now is the one that probably hurts less. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just hurt alone than to be abandoned because that just feels like a punch to my gut. So let me make sure. Am I getting any kind of close to right what it feels like for you? Beautiful. And notice James is... uh how he lifts his voice and he intensifies. So he's speaking down to the heart, mm-hmm. down below that withdrawing. And, and that felt great for me because it's like, okay, whew, now I don't have to, he just said it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to come play 15 weeks of, you know, and I hate to be sound like I'm mocking burnout pursuers, but that's what, that's the cycle they get into is like, I'm going to sit here with my arms crossed for 15 weeks and you better prove to me you want me. It's still a form of protest. Mm-hmm. But James seeing that and speaking to that allows me to kind of take that down some. Exactly. So it's really key. I love what you're doing. It segues to mine. Mm-hmm. So you're doing a beautiful job there of leaning into the journey of what it's like to be a burnout pursuer who shows up as a, as a sort of an irritable withdrawer. It's also important that we lean into the other journey. You know, what is it like to have the incredibly demoralizing experience so many times that no matter what I do, it's always going to fail, which happens to be my greatest fear. How bad does that suck? That no matter what you do, you put your very best out. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. Right? So we're always trying to be with people. We're trying to lean into the journey of how it makes sense for them to be there. And you know, if you really want to get creative, I've never done this, but I might try it if, it's, if I'm really stuck now. You could even change your positions in the office. You say, you know what? I'm going to come sit beside you for a moment. Mm. And you almost talk out loud the burnt out pursuer. Did I get that right? Okay. Let me shift my seat for a moment. Go sit by the withdrawer and do what Ryan just did. I've tried and I've tried and nothing's good enough. And then me and Ryan do this in core skills and then go sit back in the middle and be the cycle and speak from the cycle's place Mm. and, and voice the cycle. Hey. Be careful. Don't put anything out there because if you put anything out there, it's going to go bad. Hey, get them. Just try to get them to catch one. Nope, nope, nope. You know what? Don't even try and get them to catch one. Don't throw your heart back out there. But you're going to sit over here, just be resentful and be. And you know what? Just wait, poke them every now and then and hope maybe they get it because you shouldn't have to be the one to do it again. You've tried a thousand times and always had it, you know, and speak it out and make it so clear. And what I'm trying to almost do in a dramatic way is. Whew. And then at the end, my fourth move would probably be like, and what is this like to be living in this drama? And neither one of you have a move. And now it's just sapped all of your energy and all of your motivation. And one you've heard me and Ryan talk about on the Frey episode. And it's taken all of your best efforts and just turned them upside down on their head. Gosh. Whew. What's this like? To even see it, like kind of, I, or even you, if you have to, because they are kind of in a withdrawal, I might, I'll go to a multiple choice conjecture. When you're working with any kind of withdrawal energy where they're trying to avoid the danger, it helps to take some of the edge off to give them multiple choice. You could say something like, gosh, this just feels like a sorrow or kind of defeating or just, I don't know, just frustration or sadness. Do any of those seem to fit what it's like for either one of you? And then you see if, if they are able to kind of join you in that place. Yeah. 
That's just my kind of go-to. And I'm saying kind of the same thing again, just putting a little different language on it. It's really key. And we, to me, this is a top five theme on the whole podcast is it's so key to reflect the function of the, of the protection. You know, so for that burnout pursuer manifesting themselves as a withdrawer, it's like if, if you put yourself out there again, you know, shame, shame, if you fool me once, shame on me. No, I'm sorry. I'm messing that up. If you fool me once, shame on you. But if you fool me twice, shame on me. Right. And that, that is such the experience of the pursuer. Mm. They seem very angry. They're actually more angry at themselves. Why, I'm insane. Why do I keep doing this? They feel so bad for what is beautiful, actually, to never to not want to give up, to hang in there, to realize the gravity of what it means to lose their partner. Right. So we, anyway, we, we have to reflect the function of this because they're, they're Charlie Brown and Lucy. Right. Like how many times do I do I get sit down in one of these talks and you tell me you're going to change, you're going to work on you it's going to be better. How many times do they get promised? And then they get their hope back in there and they try again. And next thing you know, they get dropped. And I, I, I've got to reflect that to them. But also the other side, that, that more, more, so to speak, true withdrawer, it's really, really effective. And I think it's pretty accurate that they're, they're vetting everything. They're playing defense. It also protects their relationship. It's not just because they're unskilled or, you know, don't want to get hurt. They also have learned if I engage right here, if I tell you what I really think or feel, it's going to throw dynamite on top of dynamite. And so I've learned to pull back as a way to not have things get worse. And so they need the therapist to reflect that even in front of their pursuer, if even though it makes them mad to, to make that protection not be quite so needed. I like that. I like that a lot. Reflect the function of their protection. And I probably should have said this one first, but this one really, its I, even as I'm saying this one, it's inspired by Sue. And this is Sue's classic thing is, now this maybe takes us a little bit back more to assessment with these couples. Help me understand how you got here. Even though you see this energy in the room, can you help me understand how did you get here? Like what did this used to look like? Even like you're kind of quiet today. Has it always been like this? Does it always look like this? Was there ever one time where maybe one of you was a little bit more vocal and could bring up these topics? And but then after a while, you learn like it just doesn't work. So you learn to go silent. And now you kind of feel like you're in a holdout with your partner. It's like, you know what? I've been slapped on my wrist so many times for bringing it up. Now I'm leaving it up to you. And I'm kind of upset. I don't know. Help me understand. But Sue's kind of frame on that is how did you get here? Not only not just being frustrated, but Sue's always assuming, hey, there's, some, there's a story back to this. Absolutely. So I know Ryan, when the, you know, he teaches us in our clinic. You know, with couples, it's good to do try and do some form of a timeline with your couples. Mm-hmm. That how they arrived in your office, there's a journey to how they got here, and just try and figure that out. What are some of the major milestones in their life? You might find, especially since we're on this side of COVID, right? A lot of couples they might seem like withdraw, withdraw, but you might find a lot of these things happen during crisis in COVID. The birth or the death of a child, yeah. the birth of a child, the mm-hmm. loss of a job uh, after an affair. COVID. I mean, just any number of stressors, they reveal areas in our cycle that we were we were kind of weak. That's and, right. And you might think that they would ha- they wouldn't know that, but I'm gonna tell you, your couples will be surprised when mm-hmm. you do this time. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. that's when I kind of pulled out a little mm-hmm. bit. I was still here, didn't want to give up. 
but I didn't want to put my heart back in the game. Right. Right. So that's another practical one. How did you get here? Yeah. My next point is just, you know, jumping in here. How do we get started? You know, that's it can be pretty irritating for a therapist, right? We kind of gear up for session. If you care, you kind of gear up and here we go. And then you start off session. They got nothing to say. So just trying to be practical right in that moment, you know, and there's different ways to do this. But what you don't want to do is start peppering them with questions. Yeah, that's the worst thing you can do, which is exactly what your body will tell you to do, because we're trying to get something started. Right. So I like to try to be immediate and present because silence is communication, actually. Mm. They are they are screaming something at you. They're just not using words. That's right. So if I literally can't get them to talk, I just want to sit back and be like, guys, ouch, man, I'm so sorry. I can feel the pain in this room. Your most important relationship goes on the rocks. I know y'all have tried so many things. You're even coming to therapy with nothing to say. Man, this has got to be tough, man, I tell you. So even just that comment, it's sort of an invitation to, to be curious as opposed to direct questioning, That's right. you know, which is, which is going to activate more the withdrawing piece. So I'll go to the SOT piece because you mentioned it earlier, Ryan. And Ryan can do that because he trusts that. There's a part where Ryan's able to say, you know what? The best move I got is to be, di- be direct and to be explicit with the energy that's in the room and trust it, even if it's quiet energy, even if it feels like evasive energy. It's still, as George would say, it's still information. Work with the information they're giving you. But here's the SOT piece. I, I could hear Ryan say that, and I could hear some therapists in training and not trying to therapist shame either, but it's, I think our, I'll, let me go put me in that space. I will pepper with questions mm-hmm. because I'm a scared, like I've got to, I start taking on this false burden. Mm-hmm. I've got to be the one to make something start happening and get something going. If it's quiet in here, it feels like hopelessness has taken over the room. It feels like they're going to see I'm a sham or something like that. It's coming up. And then that's where I lose access to which Ryan just did is he's not making up a brilliant move. He's just being explicit with what happened in the room. Mm-hmm. And he's trusting it that if I make it explicit, I make it overt. It gives us something, an emotion that Ryan talks about a lot. It gives me some handle to grab. Sometimes therapists freak out because they can't see the handle that's in front of them or they can't trust just a conjecting pain. They can't trust that that's a handle to grab. They want the client to kind of give them some tangible words or something like that to grab onto. And so we start relying, making our client kind of do something. And I hate to say it this way. Our clients aren't doing it because they're holding out and trying to hold the cheat sheet from us on the test. They don't really have it. They don't got it. So they need us to kind of put out a little bit of, like Ryan said at the beginning, I see what's happening. Even in the silence, the silence is saying so much to me, you all. I know it might suck, but the silence is saying something. Right. I see a couple who cares a lot about each other. They wants things to be different. But it's kind of hard to put it to words or say anything about it. Dang, that's rough. I mean, it actually speaks to how much they love each other. To hurt that bad. To the point where I come to a professional with nothing to say, and I'm still here fighting. I mean, that screams to how much this really matters. Mm. Tell them that. There you go. And um, I think it's, it's so staying with that immediacy theme, um, it's like, so, so the cycle your life has taught you that if you say anything, everything's going to get worse. And that's what I'm hearing really loud and clear from both of you right now. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you just showing me what goes on. I see. Mm-hmm. I see it's ice cold. I feel it right now too. 
Mm-hmm. And so we, we talk on this podcast and other places about flipping the block, using a hypothetical of what would go wrong if the block was removed. That's my next go-to move, just trying to be practical here. is like, because you've learned, if you were to say something right now, this is about to go bad. Can you mind just kind of sharing with me what you're projecting here? What, what's the forecast that your body knows? If you come out and tell your side of this story, if you come out and share your experience, what's about to go down? And that, that's a lower bridge than being like, tell me about your deepest fear, right? So, Because fear might be, probably is the driver of all this. And yet if you try to go for that too quickly, you bypass all the protection and therefore you increase it. So immediacy, flipping the block. If you, if you couldn't go away, in other words, if you had to share even right now, it ain't going to go good. So what, what would happen? And it, it really gives people a chance to sort of come in with a, that, that is kind of a safety form of engagement. And then once that happens, we're going to shake up some, some emotion probably and, and work from there. Yeah. And I got to say this one too. Um, and this one comes from the AD here in Arkansas. That's Ryan's other nickname he just got right now. You may, you may say AD and you think athletic director, <laughs> director, but that's not it. The attachment dilemma. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and I probably kind of did this, but this is another tool you can go to. And I kind of did it when I did the proxy voice. But keep showing them that you see their dilemma. They need you to highlight that mm. because that is their suffering. That is the kind of attachment. I would say that's where the struggle, the stuckness is. I have no good move again. This or this, and it doesn't work. This or this. So, and this is a cliffhanger I'm going to leave you on because that is the last, for right now at least, uh, per, uh, listener request we have is talking about dilemmas with pursuers and withdrawers. Oh, that sounds fun. So, I'm not going to cover that as much right now right. because that's going to be our next episode. All right. I just want to say one last thing, and this will shock everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you need a vivid somatic trigger. What? Yeah, you really do. I said this at lunch just before we, we recorded here. Just, just for the record, I never say the word trigger or emotion to clients. I never use those words. I find them to be off-putting and distracting. I'm definitely talking about them, though, on a regular basis. But there are very few ways um, to get a withdrawer to engage than if you can help them unpack a vivid somatic trigger from their partner. And here's what's great about withdrawers. Bringing forth emotion early on, I'm not so good at that. Bringing for attachment messaging, also not so good at that. Even identifying what they do and how it contributes to the cycle, not so good. I'll tell you what they are good about is knowing the triggers. Withdrawers are the best trigger finders on the planet. They're the ones that when you walk in the office and you say, tell me about your relationship right now, the withdrawer is the one who's looking constantly at their partner. And that's what they're literally looking for. Are we safe? Am I about to be in trouble here? So if you say to a withdrawer, is it hard or easy to tell when your partner's upset with you, when they're disappointed in you? I've never had a withdrawer do anything other than, <laughs> oh, I know. That's like <laughs> somehow the whole world, people in other countries, everything, they have the exact same phrase. And it's like, think about what you're, what you're asking them. What you're asking them is, are you good at seeing danger? That's how they're a withdrawer. Of course they're good at that. And once you get them to describe, yeah, it's when he or she, you know, looks to the right and rolls their eye, now you're in there. Now you're not asking him to open up with this open-ended existential sharing of the heart. Now you're, now you're really specific because when you see that look on his face, 
what message does that send to you about who you are in their world? And it usually comes pretty quickly. And then it's like, a, that, that feels terrible to me. And it feels really bad. It's not good. What's it feel instead of bad, instead of good? Now we're backing into the sharing of experience because I went off of what actually happens, which is a danger cue going on, which sends meaning, which sends emotion, which sends action tendencies. Because if you have a withdrawal, withdrawal cycle, you are on path one. Mm. And so we need a lot of assembly. We just have to figure out how to moderate the opening session to get into a good assembly. Right now, what's in my head is another podcast episode. Do you remember the uh, rapper from back in the day called Mystical? I do uh -huh. not. I'm ashamed and I don't know that. That's, I know. If, yeah, there's a whole story about Ryan and music <laughs> anyway. But Mystical used to have this song, and all he would keep saying is, Danger! <laughs> danger! <laughs> we'll play that next episode. I know, right? Yeah. We need to have an episode just talking about even danger mm -hmm. in, a, in a, from an attachment perspective. Because you're right. For these both of these couples, by the way, just as a way of landing the plane, both of them are saying there's danger in talking mm. about this and what we're choosing right now as a way to be safe at least to try and survive or stay on life support is evasiveness is our is the strategy we've both adopted mm. but what you need to know is there's probably one of them i liked how ryan said i'm withdrawing right now but i'm irritable that you're making me do it this way because mm. i really want to be back in my primary strategy because like George would say, I want to fight. I want to try because at least it gets some energy out. But that doesn't work. So now I've been relegated to the secondary position. But then there's also the other one that this is the way I've learned to do this. And they even have a little bit of bitterness too. But this is my primary strategy is where I've learned. I feel a little bit more comfortable in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, and, and I'm saying this repetitively, but you can't say it enough because this is one of the things that does not appear in front of you. This is not a natural progression of a conversation. These going to triggers are huge. Withdrawers of all kinds. I don't say this very often because there's lots of variation in human behavior. Uh-oh. But any form of withdrawal, it's a danger mitigation That's system. That's right. Every time. That's right. And so even if it's a pursuer who burns out, who becomes a who, who functions as a withdrawer, that's still about danger. So instead of coming against that by trying to get them to open up, utilize that. And that's what you're doing by, by teeing up, so to speak, the danger to then start the assembly off of that. Everything starts to flow more organically uh, when you start with that vivid, somatic danger cue from the partner. All right, y'all. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.